Bridget Stomberg. And I'm Lisa DeSimone. And this is Taxes for the Masses. Today's episode is on the taxation of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Ever since the first pseudonymous virtual currency was introduced in 2009, it has spawned massive public debates over its merits and value. Today, a plethora of different cryptocurrencies are traded, not only as investments, but also as a form of currency accepted by an increasing number of businesses. Regulators globally have struggled to keep up with the quickly changing crypto landscape. In this episode, we discuss the ins and outs of crypto taxation. Hello, Lisa. Hello, B. So here we are, finally addressing a topic that seems to make so many salacious headlines, yet is understood by so few. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that most people I interact with anyway don't really understand virtual or cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tether, and so many more that I've never heard of. And I think it's safe to say that I'm one of those people. It is. I was thinking of you and I when I said that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, personally, ever since Charlie Munger likened crypto to turds at the, <laughs> yes, 2018 Berkshire annual meeting, I have to say I've kind of blocked it out myself as a credible investment strategy. And I just want to say, I think we need to use the word turds more. It's a, it's a good word. In general. That, uh, that and pseudonymous. <laughs> Yes, the ever colorful right-hand man of Warren Buffett has also compared Bitcoin to poison Mm -hmm. and most recently to a venereal disease. Which makes me think of Joey on Friends. (laughs) Uh, My husband calls it a Ponzi scheme. BD. (laughs) This derailed quickly. A gift that keeps on giving. Okay. All right. And I just saw a tweet likening it to Mary Kay for young men, (laughs) which I was particularly fond of. Yes, these are all very uh, charming characterizations. But despite these uh, pejorative characterizations, Bitcoin is up over 300% since May of 2018, despite some intervening ups and downs. Yes, but anytime I see a really big return like that, I also can't help but see a very big tax bill. Cha-ching. And our goal today is to understand the basics as well as some pitfalls of taxation when it comes to crypto. And I think you and I were both a bit surprised when we first started diving into this at how straightforward crypto taxation is, Mm -hmm. or at least how straightforward the IRS makes it out to be. For sure. So in 2014, the IRS issued a notice indicating that for U.S. federal tax purposes, virtual currencies are treated as property, not as currency. And I think that's kind of fair given that there are certain traits we typically look for in a currency, right? Things like it's generally accepted. Mm -hmm. It has inherent value. Mm -hmm. It has a stable value that doesn't fluctuate wildly. Mm -hmm. Not exactly the calling cards of crypto. Nope. And that's just to name a few characteristics of currency that crypto, I think we can agree, fails to reflect. Epic fail. Okay. So crypto is property. Property. And we generally know how property is taxed. You have a basis in property equal to your cost of acquiring the property. Yep. And when you sell it, you have a gain or loss equal to the difference between the proceeds from the sale and your basis. Yep. And in this case, because crypto has a fair market value, it's relatively easy to pinpoint the value of crypto when you receive it or use it in an exchange. And I'm starting to hear a little ding coming on because I think it's prime time for an example. Let's do it. 
The easiest example is to think of crypto like any other asset traded on an exchange. I can buy Berkshire Hathaway stock or I can buy crypto. Mm -hmm. Let's say I was smart enough to buy Bitcoin when it was worth only $25. This is a hypothetical example. <laughs> but then I thought it had peaked, so I sold it at $100. That does sound like you. 75 bucks. I can do a lot with 75 bucks. You can. My basis was 25. That's the amount I paid for it. My proceeds upon sale were $100. Yep. So my taxable capital gain upon sale is 75 bucks. Yep. Now, if I held the asset for less than a year, it's considered a short-term capital gain. It's going to get taxed just like my wages. But if I held it for more than a year, it's a long-term capital gain, and it's going to get taxed at preferential lower tax rates. Right. But people don't just buy and sell crypto as an investment. Which was news to me. Yeah. They also mine or stake crypto and use it in exchanges as if it's currency. Right. So let's say I mine some Bitcoin, and all I can think of here is the seven dwarves. Hi-ho, hi-ho. It makes me think of the settlers of Catan. I'll trade you wood for ore. I don't think I'm cool enough to know that reference. Mm, you missed that game night. I did. Okay. Right. So in, in my brain, it's dwarves. Sure. Mine and Bitcoin, whatever that means. I assume it involves a pickaxe. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I have one coin worth $100 on the day I receive it. According to the Internal Revenue Code, I have just received $100 worth of property in exchange for a service that I provided. Yep. mining. Yep. So I have a hundred dollars of compensation income, just like any other salary or wages I would receive in us dollars. Exactly. Now let's say a year later, that $100 of Bitcoin you mined is worth $240, which if my math is correct, I think would buy you about three pairs of Ferrari joggers. I'm so proud right now. I still don't know what they are, doesn't, but it doesn't matter, but I know how much they cost. Yes. And they're awesome. You find a vendor who accepts your Bitcoin and you make the purchase. In the eyes of the Internal Revenue Code, you exchange property with a basis of 100 in return for property with a fair value of 240. So you actually have a gain on that exchange. Your gain is your proceeds of 240 in the form of joggers, mm -hmm. less your basis of 100, which is what you acquired the crypto for. And so you have a taxable gain of the difference of 140. And this may seem a little complicated to folks who haven't dealt with property exchanges before, right? but it really is almost identical to our stock example. You bought something at 100, you sold it at 240, you have a taxable gain of $140. Exactly. So there you go, folks. That's how crypto is taxed. We thank you for joining us today. Be sure to return for more tax nerdery on a future episode oh, of- Wait, no. What? It, it can't be that simple, can it? Super easy peasy. Okay. Surely there's more to it than just that. I mean, okay, mining, staking, something called forks. Nope. Airdro nope. Airdrops. Nope. Never heard of it. NFTs. Mm -mm. Time to call on the big guns. understand more of the nuances of crypto taxation and help our listeners, we're delighted to welcome to the program Dan Hannum, the Chief Operating Officer of Zen Ledger, a purveyor of tax prep software specifically tailored to crypto transactions. Prior to joining Zen Ledger, Dan was a buy-side analyst and portfolio manager at TD Ameritrade. He was an early crypto investor and analyst at Blockchain Capital before founding Hannum Capital Management, an advisor and venture investment firm that ultimately invested in Zen Ledger. Dan, welcome to the show. Do you mind starting by telling us a little bit more about Zen Ledger, 
um, specifically, how did the company start and what sort of a demand are you seeing from individuals seeking tax advice on crypto? Sure, sure. Essentially, the, the premise was we're looking for a really great crypto tax solution because we are trying to file ourselves. And there really wasn't a great platform on the market. We were using Google Docs and Excel spreadsheets and handwritten notes and mm-hmm. trying to piece it all together. And it was just really choppy and probably not accurate. Right. Like, there has to be a better way. There has to be like a turbo tax for crypto. And that's mm-hmm. really where Ledger came uh, along. Um, so I jumped on board full-time as COO in 2019. And I've been here for about three years now. Awesome. What, what are some of the transactions that taxpayers should be knowledgeable about? Um, things like staking or mining come to mind. How is that treated uh, by Zen Ledger? Yeah, yeah. Great question. So essentially, there's three main buckets, right? It's going from dollars into crypto, which is largely a non-taxable event, going from crypto to crypto, which is likely taxable. And then the mm-hmm. one that most people you know, just recognize of going from crypto back into dollars, it has a taxable event to it. That crypto to crypto comes in multiple forms of capital gains, capital losses, but then also income. So mining and staking are generally treated as income at the time of receipt and taxed as ordinary income uh, throughout the year. So if I'm staking, if I'm mining, if I receive an airdrop, which is kind of like the crypto equivalent of a dividend per se, you can lend your assets out um, Mm -hmm. and earn yield on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all these things kind of mixed together come in as just ordinary income at the time of receipt. And so what Zenlogger allows you to do is we allow you to integrate and aggregate all that information across your on-chain activity through all of your wallets and your off-chain activity through your Coinbase or your Gemini or your FTX. Um, And so we'll mix all that together and then provide these completed tax reports for you that show all of your income received throughout the year and then show all your your capital gains and or capital losses. And are people who are doing mining and staking, you know, what's the guidance out there about reporting it as like a Schedule C versus a hobby? Yeah, typically as an individual, the IRS views these items as hobby income and not as a Schedule C. But typically the Schedule C will come into play if you set up an LLC or an S-Corp or a C-Corp or some type of entity where you are running your operations through. And so that's typically a better approach because you can start to deduct the business expenses. Love love this because lesson one, I think in both of our tax classes is entity choice and whether you should do things as an individual or an LLC partnership corporation. So you are speaking our language here. Who are your customers? There's probably a lot of people out there doing this who don't realize that they have tax implications. So would you say that you have more sophisticated people coming to you who know that they're going to be on the hook for some taxes? And how, how do you reach out to the other people who maybe don't know that there are all these tax consequences of crypto? Sure. Great question. I think there's a few different factors that go into play. When you look at our customers, we have kind of three subsets, and then each subset has its own kind of subset underneath. And so what I mean by that is we have a consumer market, which is more of everyday individuals. We have an enterprise market. So we work directly with fund admins and or crypto enterprise companies that are accepting or buying or selling or trading or interacting with crypto. Mm-hmm. Then we work directly with government as well. So we have federal contracts with the IRS, their civil and criminal investigation units to help them understand crypto taxation and crypto tax enforcement. Interesting. Um, Thinking of the IRS, I, I saw that, you know, in the last, I think, couple of years, they've had that question, you know, have you had any transactions? But I read that they have moved that question up to the top of the form this year. So wondering if you've been involved in any of that conversation or have people coming to you because of that question, highlighting the fact that this is an issue for them. Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely been a, a big boom in crypto compliance overall. 
Um, so the original question came out in 2019, but it was on the schedule one. And so the schedule one is, is kind of a subset form where not every American has to file it, only mm-hmm. some Americans. And so the movement from the schedule one to the top of the 1040 was very big for us and big for the crypto industry. Now every citizen has to check off have you ever bought, sold, traded, acquired currency and their tax professionals do as well. And so if you check off no and the answer is yes, tax fraud. So it's like, it's kind of this self-regulating question to get you interested. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, we've seen a lot of government enforcement and we're working with various state and federal agencies on helping them understand and enforce and collect on that revenue. Um, and then on the, the consumer market, there's kind of three different cohorts of users. We have like the self-service user, and that's really a user that's coming in, ingesting their activity, and then taking our reports and putting them into a TurboTax or an H&R mm-hmm. block or a tax act. And so we have partnerships with all of those firms. And simply when that question comes up in a TurboTax and you check yes, then Zenlender pops up and you're just mm-hmm. taking your forms from our platform, putting it in with your W-2 or your K-1 or whatever else you have going on, and then you know going on your way. The second cohort of, of consumer that we have is, is a customer that already has a tax professional. And so we built this tax professional suite for tax pros in order to have a dashboard where they can easily connect their client's accounts and then easily look into the client's account, download the 8949 or the schedule mm-hmm. one or whatever forms they need. And then the third cohort of customer is uh, a customer um, that is looking for a tax professional. And so we have tax professionals and tax attorneys on staff that they can hire directly through our team that will handle your crypto and non-crypto. And so I give that context in the sense that because of those questions that we see on the 1040, more and more Americans are aware that they need to mm-hmm. file them. Um, and because the tax professionals are now aware, they they don't want to say no if, if the answer is yes, because then they're now kind of taking the liability for the report, right? Right. So those things are, are definitely need to hire compliance rates. Awesome. One of the examples that we give uh, earlier is treating crypto as if you're it's an investment like a stock, right? But what's interesting about the property treatment of crypto is that you can actually harvest losses. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So I think one of the unique features of crypto, because it's property and not a security like stocks, is the wash sale rule doesn't apply to crypto as of right now. There's um, legislation that's trying to go through that may affect that in 22 or 23 or 24. But as of today, there is no wash sale rule. And so the nice thing about that is because crypto is still so early on and so nascent, you have a lot of volatility to the asset class. And so the nice thing is, let's say you buy some Ethereum today and it's down 20% tomorrow and you buy five Ethereum. You could sell that five Ethereum to lock in your loss. And then that same day, buy back your five Ethereum to have the same ownership, but mm-hmm. have that loss locked in. And so that's one of the unique features that we have here at Sunlender is a tax loss harvesting report. And so we allow our, our clients to really be able to optimize their portfolio throughout the year. Yeah, that's a, it's just a really unique feature of crypto right now. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously we've we've struggled to pass any laws recently. It'll be interesting to see if we get some legislation passed that would uh, get rid of this lost, loss harvesting uh, ability. Absolutely. I mean, we saw, you know, Biden's executive order. That executive order kind of summarizes nothing too crazy, right? It's just more like, we recognize that this technology is very new. Mm-hmm. We don't want to send the technology or the innovation offshore. We want to be able to devote resources to understanding this technology. And so we think that's actually a win for crypto because the more guidance we get and the clear guidance we get, the more easy we can interact and do that uh, compliantly. And, and so I think there's this misconception that crypto is for money laundering and it's for criminals and it's 
this bad stuff, but it's like the worst thing you can do for money laundering. You are way better off using cash. And this is not money laundering advice. It's just like the reality, right? And, and so we're hoping that as the government gets more and more funding and pays more attention, we'll have better guardrails and more of like a sandbox that we can play in. I think most of us in crypto just want to know the rules and then we can kind of stay within. But right now it's this weird element of like, don't break the rule, but we're not going to tell you what the rule is and we'll maybe enforce it. We'll maybe not. So we're hoping that the executive order will, will give us some updated guidance. And I'm just going to emphasize that part that this is not money laundering advice for our listeners. That is not what we're trying to do here. What would you say is the biggest mistake that taxpayers are making right now when it comes to virtual currencies? So the biggest thing that we see issues with is someone just doesn't have data. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's because the exchange shut down or the exchange is now shutting off US customers, like we've seen with Binance or with FTX and now have US subsidiaries. And so the, the biggest key is just to make sure that you have access to your sources. If you don't, getting the data off of them And generally, these exchanges will give you heads up. So if your exchange or provider is shutting down, making sure you get that the actual data that occurred off is going to be the biggest key. So this has been exceptionally helpful and informative. Is there anything we didn't ask that you want to let listeners know? So I guess the only thing that we didn't really touch on was so we're seeing a lot of these brokerages that are now starting to try to provide 1099Ks or 1099Bs or 1099 miscellaneous. So we're now starting to see that if I don't report it, maybe Coinbase is going to say, hey, Dan did XYZ on the exchange, send that to the government. And the government's going to say, oh, well, Dan told me he didn't have anything, right? And so they're going to start to see these red flags. So I, I don't think it's mind blowing, right? But it's like, you should file your taxes. And so there's a lot of resources around that that can help you easily comply and allow you to just continue to invest, you know, however you'd like. All right, so let's talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of crypto. I think we've covered the ugly a little bit when we Turns. equated it to a turd in a venereal disease. Yes. Um, so let's go back to the good. Mm-hmm. What do you got for me? So there, there has been really good news recently in that President Biden issued an executive order, um, which you might say is, oh, no, he's going to regulate this thing that has been so unregulated. Mm-hmm. But actually, the crypto community has responded very positively because there has been so much gray area, so much uncertainty, and they want regulation. They they want to know the rules. They want to play by the rules. And the federal government here in the U.S. is potentially going to lead the charge on the world's, world stage of how to regulate crypto, which is, seems like good news. Yeah, I really liked Dan's analogy of they just want the walls of the sandbox built. Right. And they want to try to play within the sandbox. Right. Um, and I think that's the right attitude for the crypto traders to have. The more you seem like you want to do the right thing and you want to comply, um, I think the more receptive the government's going to be to that. Right. And a great part of the executive order is that it's asking a bunch of different agencies within the government to basically work together on some of the bigger issues that crypto has brought to the forefront. Because as much as we think tax is important, tax is not probably the foremost thing that we need to worry about when it comes to crypto. I don't understand any of the words that are coming out of your mouth. Okay. Next, the bad Mm -hmm. recurring theme on Mm -hmm. this show is that, um, again, not to say anything disparaging about the tax system, it's a little slow. A little bit, yes. Uh, My daughter and my husband play Mario. They play Paper Mario. Okay. And uh, there is a feature where you can go to a coffee shop and you can either get a rabbit espresso or a turtle tea. Okay. And I think it's safe to say that the IRS tends to operate on the turtle tea timetable. I mean, sometimes the turtle wins the race. I love that. 
I love that. You're taking a negative and you're making it positive. I love it. You and me in a nutshell, B. I love it. But I mean, seriously, like we've said, this has been around for over 10 years. Yeah. We've had one round of guidance. Yeah. It's eight years old. And it's basically a list of 10 questions with not super helpful answers. Resources are a part of this too, right? Um, You know, if Treasury had more resources, maybe we would have seen a little bit more come out over the last 13 years. Mm Um, but also like to their credit, things in the virtual currency world have just evolved so quickly. Absolutely. I mean, I, at least personally feel like the growth and the discussion of it has been exponential. Absolutely. Even just in the last year. Yes. I mean, once I've got Tom Brady talking about it on my television, I know it's serious and not something I really want to have anything to do with. You should have led with that when we were talking about turds, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just know your dislike of Tom Brady. Shots fired and I like it. (laughs) Uh, yeah, we will not be getting endorsed by um, TB12 or whatever. Yes. Is. Yeah. Okay. Anywho, um, the IRS is is moving slow, but crypto is moving really fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a great combination. No. Yeah. Um, so the ugly seems like the one thing that um, crypto traders have going for them right now mm-hmm. is that crypto is not falling into the limitations of wash sale rules. Yes. An ugly factor to bear in mind on that, though. Um, it's entirely likely that at some point treasury is going to catch up and, uh, apply wash sale rules to crypto assets. When we think about it from an accounting perspective, we like things to be consistent, um, over time. And if all of a sudden one day the wash sale rules apply and the day before they didn't apply, um, that's not great for taxpayers in terms of consistent treatment. I guess another ugly thing would be you know, Dan alluded to a client base that seems pretty knowledgeable about the fact that they have a potential tax liability or that there are yep. tax implications of crypto and his company is there to help them be compliant. I have to wonder how many crypto traders, crypto miners aren't aware yes. of the potential um, tax pickle that they could find themselves in if they're not reporting things properly. And I think some of that could be a little bit of head and sand behavior, like you sure. know, what you don't know isn't going to make you pay taxes. Yes. It's going to get a lot more difficult to have your head in the sand, given that on the very front of your tax return up at the top now, there is a question asking if you have done anything with virtual currencies in the past year. Yes. And I believe it's in 2023, we're going to see mandatory third-party reporting mm-hmm. to the IRS of crypto transactions as well. So burying your head in the sand is is not going to help at all if if that information is being sent to the IRS already. So even though I understand the tax treatment, I, I still am not sure I'm going to run out and start mining crypto anytime soon. You don't even know what that means. <laughs> so I agree with you. Right. Yes. <laughs> what a sacrifice. <laughs> Well, that's all we have time for today. I'm Lisa DeSimone. And I'm Bridget Stomberg. Be sure to join us for more tax nerdery on future episodes of Taxes 